Good morning. Welcome to Daily Caprefi with Carter and Carrie. Today is May 17th. It's a Friday. I hope you're all doing well. And I hope you subscribe to our YouTube channel and please share it with someone. Today's episode is going to be about logical fallacies. <laughs> it is. Okay. It is. <laughs> I'm just declaring that. We don't know what to talk about today, but we did just have a pre-discussion all about uh, some idiot that Carrie was arguing. Yeah. Look, I don't need to. That homonym I just used just to, that was, I'm warming you up on the logical fallacy. Ah, thank you. Uh, Carter just illustrated an ad hominem attack. Yes. <laughs> which is a personal attack. When you attack someone personally instead of their argument. Um, yeah, we don't really, we, we were talking about, we don't really have a lot that we want to talk about in the news today, but I just would like to gossip about this person if you guys don't mind. Um, <laughs> Can I mention one thing about Soph? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I have a friend whose his daughter is in high school, but she's not, she's not like in the right leaning or libertarian groups in high school. Like I'm pretty sure she's on the left a little bit. I don't want to reveal too much information about her, but based on, based on what I know, we're in the Bay area and based on what I know of her, she's not on the right at all. Um, he out of the blue sent me a YouTube video of Soph and he says that his daughter said this girl's getting lots of traction and um like she's got some interesting commentary about generation Z versus millennials and like the Gen Z people are really liking it. So I just yeah. want to share that with the audience just because it's it's promising. Right? It seems like I don't even think it's uh, conservatism or people on or, or the right that's winning. I think Gen Z is because they grew up with their iPhones surgically implanted into their palms. Uh, I think we're seeing a, I think maybe, maybe, maybe we're seeing independent thought as the punk rock. Maybe it's like, you know what? I'm like the fact that I can, have access to the internet and look up my own facts and make up my decisions and just thumbing their nose at any supposed authority on what proper news is and what the proper narrative is, regardless of what that narrative or news is. I think they're just maybe just pushing back and saying like, no, I, I can get primary source material and make up my own mind. And if that's what's happening, this is, uh, I, it's not what it's I expected. Uh, I'm not an anthropologist, so maybe I should have expected some this to happen at some point, but it would be great and it's very promising if that's really what's going on here. Yep. That's I just wanted to have a, a, some positive thing to say before we <laughs> logical fallacies. Yes. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, so take that into your weekend with you. Maybe start looking around at other Gen Z kids, see if they're Yes. Anecdotally, I think that is what's happening. It's not conservatism, no. It's just that people, they're anti-authoritarian. They don't like being told what to do, what they can and can't think right. or read or, you know. Um, exactly. Even I don't think even the authoritarians on the left like it. They just think that they're going to get to be the ones to tell people what to do. All right, Carrie, this is your show. You've got to uh, introduce us to your uh, vector of anger today. Oh yeah, I'm not angry at this guy. No, I just um, oh, I just think it's interesting. I think it's really funny. Um, 
that people have this idea that you're um, that I, I don't know that some people are so close minded they can't <laughs> it's easier for them to believe or just really cling to the idea that you're a liar than it is to listen to what you're saying. So this guy and my friend, uh, we have a mutual friend and we were on social media having a discussion, which is where great discussions happen. Um, but no, he, um, way too much time on Facebook. I just, I don't, I do. Yeah. I know. I argue with people too much for free. I should be paid. <laughs> you should be doing it on the show and just point to, I made my argument here. Everyone can watch it. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Good. <laughs> Mm. So make your argument. Let's hear, let's hear the story. Um, well, this Matt Walsh tweet, did you see this? It started with that. Uh, should I pull it up? I'll pull yeah, up the Matt pull it Walsh up. tweet. So I think it's a great tweet, actually. Um, but I don't think it is uh, conservative or liberal at all. I think it's just observationally. Carrie, why don't you read it and talk about it? Gender is a social construct, but I'm a woman, hear me roar, but anyone can be a woman, but no uterus, no opinion, but trans women are women, but I demand women's rights, but men are women, but men are scum, but drag queens are beautiful, but appropriation is evil. So this is just, uh, just uh, yeah, it's a great tweet. It got retweeted a lot. Um, and I saw some people, like several people on Facebook who've said that Facebook is taking it down when they post it. Um, I think it just depends on, it's not an automatic pull down. I think it depends on if a friend of yours turns you in for it or not, then it will get taken down. So like I posted it still up, right? But um, my friend shared it and he said he was sharing it and he, and he's a, I think he would probably say he's conservative. Um, he shared it and he said uh, he was sharing it because his friend tried to post it earlier and it was, and it was blocked. So then in his comments, there's this dude Let's call him the professor because he's a professor. <laughs> <laughs> the professor says, uh, you're being so oppressed. Huh? Like how, however will you enjoy America's promise if Facebook doesn't let you post whatever right wing nonsense you want? And I was just like, right wing nonsense. So I asked him like, do you think this, do you really think this tweet is right wing? Like, and he's like a hundred percent, but it's, I mean, I'm asking you guys, this isn't a right wing thing. This is actually it's just, to me, what's interesting about him believing, if he really believes this is right wing, is that's evidence of how far the Overton window has shifted to such, towards the radical, like the alt left, the SJW left, that he would think an observation like this is somehow right wing. It's not. It's just a clever observation. And it's actually, it's like, I do agree with you on one thing, which is everything in this tweet is nonsense. That's true. <laughs> it's just that, it's just that this is, the actual ideology of the identitarian left. They believe all of these things. And the reason it's being censored and pulled down is because they don't like the ideology being mocked in this way. It's like a really clever tweet that's mocking it. So it's putting all their contradictions in one little place and, and it's funny and it's effective. So that's why it's getting pulled down. But um, like if, if people really believe that this is a right wing thing, it's like you, that's just evidence to me of how far, you know, we've come in boiling the frog. Yeah, it's like, amazing to me because it is just like you said. It's just all the contradictions in one spot. Yeah. Like here's here's what, the, and he's not even saying. He's he's not saying anything about what his opinion about it. He's just putting in 
these are all the things that people say all in yeah. all in one big run on sentence. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a funny, he's, it's just funny and it's effective. So they don't like that. So then, you know, so I kind of push back on this guy, the idea that that's right wing, you know, and, and so then he decides to go in on me and he says, uh, I find your supposed liberalism to be right wing nonsense too. You know, I've seen your stuff. You're, you're not on our side. You're not on our side. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that depends on what you mean by your side, because I'm on the left. I'm a liberal. And until six months ago, I've only voted for Democrats, like a lifelong democratic voter. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm no longer on the, I'm not on the side of illiberal identitarian authoritarianism anymore. Like I used to be for a long time. I thought that was liberal liberalism. It's not. But if, if that's the side he means like the SJW side, no, I'm not on that side. <laughs> Definitely not. But, um, he, he then, anyway, the whole reason we're talking about this is, this this guy's a professor. Right. And so he, he says to me after that, he goes, nobody who supported the Kavanaugh nomination is on the left. That's absurd. He went through my photos or something. Right. And so I supported Kavanaugh. And I'm like, it's not really absurd because I don't, I don't believe all women any more than I believe all men. Like I believe evidence and I believe in the very liberal principle of innocent until proven guilty. Um, you know, and I told him, I was like, part of like the politically motivated witch hunt that went after that man is part of what, um, woke me up to how liberal my, my side was becoming. So, um, and, and then I just pointed out, so th this is what's funny to me again, is that he's a professor. So I was like, you know, you just used, by the way, you just used the no true Scotsman fallacy. You know, you're a professor. And so then he tells me, so, so for people who don't know, the no true Scotsman fallacy is pretty simple. It's like, it's not an argument. It just says like what, exactly what he did. And he continued to do it throughout the discussion. Um, just is, which is just to say no true liberal would X, Y, Z. You can use it for anything. No true um, Christian would blah, blah, blah. Like it, it, it's, it's not an argument <laughs> and it's a really lazy thing to lay it, to uh, use as a crutch. So, yeah. yeah. So, Go um, Go ahead. well, so then I, I, you know, I asked him, I was like, you're a professor. And then this is the best part. <laughs> he says, he, he uses it again. He says, no true liberal wants conservatives to have a majority on the Supreme Court. Now, there's two things he's doing there. He's using the no true Scotsman fallacy, but then he's also putting words in my mouth. He's also do that's a straw man, right? Like no true liberal wants conservatives to have a majority on the Supreme Court. Well, I never said I wanted conservatives to have a majority on the Supreme Court, dude. I just happened to, um, I just happened to value due process more then I would object to Kavanaugh being, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I never said I want this thing that you're declaring that I want, but um, um, anyway, so he says, no true liberal wants conservatives to have a majority in the Supreme court. And then he said, I teach argumentative writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually argumentative writing is interesting. Uh, is that different than argumentation? I was assuming it was argumentation in which case he's completely failing at his, I can't imagine that, that he teaches this, but maybe you're right. Maybe argumentative writing is different. Well, I, yeah, no, I mean, I'm just thinking maybe it's just a bunch of sophistry. Maybe argumentative mm -hmm. writing is like, use lots of adjectives and hurl insults. Uh, In which case he's doing a very good job. Yes, maybe he's an expert. 
<laughs> because then he says to me, then Carter pointed this out, which is funny. He says, nice use of the fallacy of equivocation. Now, I didn't, I didn't use the fallacy of equivocation. The fallacy of equivocation is when you use the same word to mean two different things, like in one sentence, right? Well, it's, in one logical argument. In uh, one argument, right. Like A implies B. So like normally if you were like, like A leads to B and B leads to C, where if you take B, but there's two different Bs and you conflate them together, right? That it would be like equivocation. Like A leads to B. Now I'm going to use a different B uh, and say B leads to C, right? <laughs> and be like, oh, but you just equivocated. Like those, those two Bs aren't the same Bs. Does that make right. sense? Uh, that's my exactly. understanding of it. I'm not a, uh argumentation professor or whatever, but uh, there's a really great website that you wanted to show. Do you want to show the website? Uh, yeah, this is a great site if people aren't familiar with the fallacies, but see, I think what he was trying to do is I think he's, and I don't, I'm not trying to insult him. I'm not trying to use ad hominem. I just, I'm not going to say dumb. I'm just going to say he doesn't, he's not aware of what these fallacies really mean because if he was, he wouldn't be using the no true Scotsman one. Like, as, yeah, he wouldn't yeah. be using it so often and without being the only way that somebody who knows what that is would use it is if they're, is if they know they're using it and they don't care, like they're being dishonest. You know what I mean? They know they're being dishonest, but, but, okay. or they know they're being intellectually lazy. Yeah. But yeah, so, not this. yeah. Right. But so when he calls, when, when he says I'm using the fallacy of equivocation, I think he does really doesn't know what that fallacy is. And he's just trying to call me a liar. Like he's trying to say I'm equivocating. And he thinks that that's what the fallacy of equivocation is. Oh, right. Which is not equivocation. Right. He thinks I'm lying because he doesn't believe I'm a liberal. Okay. But that's, that has to do with what's in your head, dude. That has nothing to do with what I've said. I haven't used any, I haven't used the word liberal to mean two different things. You know, we should actually, this is a good opportunity maybe to talk about, uh, logic. I know a lot. It's Friday. So I don't know why talking about logic is fun, but, it is for me. Let's, I mean, let's, I love it. So let's first show this website. This is, I just, I like this website because this information is available widely and everywhere. Uh, but this is your logical fallacy is.com. And it's a, it, they just make it more fun, right? So they have these, all these different appeal to nature, ambiguity, anecdotal, the Texas sharpshooter fallacy, which, yeah, like ad hominem, appeal to emotion. And it, so they have all these, you can actually get, there's a fallacies poster you, you can get from, from these guys. So it makes it really easy when you're having these kind of uh, discussions with people to spot the people who aren't putting any time or thought into argumentation, because if you can see these really easily, then you're like, Oh, that thing again, you know um, what I would say is that you it being aware of them also helps you not to engage in them. Right. Cause nobody, you, you shouldn't want to be a hypocrite anyway. So it helps you to take these things out of your arsenal. If you have perhaps been leaning on them without realizing it. I think it's actually important to understand the context of logical fallacies. It doesn't mean you can't do these things. It just means that they're not logically sound. So you right. can say that guy's an asshole and like, that's fine. You can have, you can say that in an argument. It just doesn't carry any uh, debate weight, right? It doesn't win you any debate points because it's just, I mean, it used to be 
once you started, once you resorted to ad hominem, you'd, people around would automatically notice that you lost the argument. Um, yeah. Right. Because you're resorting to ad hominem, but you can, I mean, so you can use these in, uh, in discussions. They're just not arguments. You don't always have to be having an argument. You could be having commentary, which is, I think that guy's a jerk, or I don't think Gary is a true liberal. He can say that it's just not an argument. Right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's important to know. I think the other thing that's important to understand about logical fallacies is I think it's understand it's important to understand them in context and not to get too philosophical, but you know, this all stems from, I mean, it was Aristotle who said a is a, right. That's the kind of the basic, you know, the basis for deductive logic, right. One of the bases for deductive logic, right. Which is a thing is what it is. It can only behave in the way that it can behave in at the same time and in the same respect. So things can change over time, but at this, at a particular time and in a particular respect, a thing is what it is. And that's just the law of non-contradiction. And it's one of the foundations for, for logic. And the idea behind the reason we care about logic and reason is it's based on this premise that the universe is metaphysically consistent, that there aren't contradictions in the universe that exist on their own. And so the whole purpose of thought is to make sure that the mental model you're constructing in your mind adheres to two things. One is it has to actually adhere to reality. And that generally isn't deductive logic as much as it is induction and observation and empiricism, right? Like, oh, I think that the sky is, you know, blue most of the time. Well, you got to like look out and, you know, chart the sky and feel like that's empirical observation to, to come up with some um, view of reality and to, to verify that it actually does correlate with reality, right? But then you need, you need a hierarchy of concepts and you need abstractions that fit together to build the model in your head. You can't observe everything all the time and and build a disjointed model because things are related. And so you have logic to make sure that there's internal consistency. So logic doesn't guarantee that your premises are correct, but it does guarantee if you have uh, a completely integrated view of the world, and by integrated, I mean there are no internal contradictions, right? Then um, that's a solid view of the world, but it still relies on the premises that you started with, right? And so I think, I think a lot of times I see people argue online out of, like completely out of context, right? They'll argue about some thing that relies on something else and they'll, they'll make sure they have a, a logically sound little snippet, right? But it depends on other things. And actually, um, I don't know if, I don't know if this was, I don't know if Ayn Rand noticed this particular fallacy first or not enough. I don't, I think she's credited with it, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a philosopher. So I don't know if it was noticed by someone else first, but there's the fallacy of the stolen concept. So the stolen concept fallacy is the recognition that concepts are hierarchical, that logic is, is built on hierarchical concepts. And so you can't, use a dependent concept to argue for the eradication or for or to argue against the concept upon which it depends. So you can't take something that's the, uh, you know, you can't take a concept and argue against a root concept upon which that very concept depends, right? Because you're presupposing 
that your argument is false in order to even make the argument. One example would be the statement, there is no objective truth. That statement relies upon or presupposes that there is an objective truth. Because if there wasn't an objective truth, then you couldn't argue that there isn't objective truth because argument requires objective truth. And this, and you're asking someone to accept that that statement is objectively true, but you're using that statement to undermine the concept of objective truth. And this happens a lot, especially in the nihilist philosophers. There is no objective truth. There, they'll say, or there is no right or wrong, kind of saying it's wrong to think there's right or wrong, right? That's another stolen concept because it relies on the idea that there is a right or wrong. So an example of this in the political realm is, the, is something like right to healthcare, right? Adding on goodies and categorizing them as rights or adding them on, on things that you want or think people, quote, should have and adding them on to this concept of a right. But the concept of a right uh, can't be used to violate itself. You can't then say, well, uh, you have a right to your, your productive output. You have a right to your own labor and your own time and a right to your own life. But there's this other right that violates your right to all of those things, right? I'm saying healthcare is right. Therefore, you need to pay for that person's healthcare or you need to provide that person's healthcare. Well, forcing that person to pay or provide for that healthcare is a violation of their rights. And you can't violate the right while claiming a right at the same time. You can't introduce a new right that violates that undermines the entire concept of rights, which is what these things like the rights to healthcare are. So that's the fallacy of the stolen concept. And that's, it's important to be able to understand that and see when people do that, because it happens a lot, it happens on both sides, right? And it happens a lot. And so logical arguments are great, or sorry, logical fallacies are great to notice. And I totally, totally agree. But it's also important to understand that logic isn't just uh, it's not just in the context of that discussion, it's hierarchical, right? And it needs to be a cohesive, non-contradictory, hierarchical, systemic integration that corresponds to reality. That's not always easy. Mm -hmm. That was another rant. I didn't expect to rant on a Friday. Sorry. <laughs> not logic. Did, did that make uh, any sense? Or was that just... Yes, uh, it did. Okay. Yes. Um... The other thing I was going to say about this guy, though, to take it back to this specific... Yeah, go back to the guy. I apologize. Um, that's okay. He, um, he, also, he also... It's weird because for someone who's accusing another person of equivocation, in the very next breath, he engages in it. Like, not, not the fallacy of equivocation, but just in, in a lying. In the very, he says uh, censorship can only really happen if it's from the government against its citizens, not from a private company that bears legal more responsibility for what happens on its product. Wrong, wrong professor. That is an outright lie. Uh, look up any de dictionary definition of the word censorship. Look up, go to Wikipedia. I mean, I'm, I will be happy to use, okay, look, here, here we, what is this? Here's a dictionary definition. The act process or practice of censoring which is the prevention of disturbing or painful thoughts or feelings from reaching consciousness, except in disguised form. Um, if you go to Wikipedia, 
they describe it as the suppression of speech, public communication, or other information on the basis that such material is considered objectionable, harmful, sensitive, or inconvenient. Censorship can be conducted by a government, private institutions, or corporations. Um, professor, have you not heard of the term self-censorship? Censorship can be, can be conducted by yourself when you self-censor words. He's pretending that censorship means something very specific that it doesn't mean. So um, that is a lie. And, and I hope you're not teaching your students that because that's irresponsible. Of course and he's students that. <laughs> I know, but, but that's, an, that's irresponsible. He shouldn't be teaching then. Like that's, that's a well, terrible you fired every, every crazy professor who teaches their students leftist. Oh, I know. You'd fire all the professors. Exactly. A great idea. Yeah. But, but, and, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that this guy probably considers himself to be a liberal because I think that's, that's, he's using it. He's saying to me that I'm not on their side. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he considers himself to be progressive or whatever, but um, censorship is not a liberal value, dude. And it doesn't matter if for him, look, I don't, I don't support censorship by the government or by private institutions or by, um, you know, my neighbor self-censoring himself. I don't like it when people feel a need to self-censor because that means they're living in an environment or they're in some type of environment or echo chamber or, or um, social network that makes them feel like they can't express themselves. And self-censorship in some ways is, is even worse. When you, get, when you can get people to self-censor, that's like the worst because you've internalized it with people. So yeah. um, anyway, for, for him to say that, I'm like, you're, you're just outright lying. Like, uh, that's not even true. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, and actually, you could be truthful. You could say, Carrie, I don't support censorship by the government, but maybe I do. Like, he probably, he probably would if the government was like. Oh, yeah, he would. But that's he totally would. Yeah, but, but. No, for this. He totally would support censorship by the government. You can tell this type of person would, but they could, they could at least, he could at least say some, I, I, I could understand some people saying, I don't support censorship by the government, but I do support censorship by private companies and stuff. I don't support either, but I could at least understand them making that distinction. But this guy's trying to pretend like, app, like apples don't exist. So this is a weird thing that's, it's, this has happened on both the left and the right though, since this rise of, uh, um, because there's points on both sides. Like I, I actually think both sides commit fallacies here. So you've got on the censorship issue, I totally agree that de that's the definition of censorship, right? So mm -hmm. let's take the dic dictionary definition of censorship. On the one hand, the conservatives were arguing like, oh, private property, you should be able to bake the cake or not bake the cake, depending on what you want to do with your uh, business, right? Mm -hmm. Totally agree that's fine. Uh, on the flip side, the leftists were arguing, no, you must be forced to bake the cake because uh, our view of how people should treat each other and what their ideas should be needs to be enforced on everyone. Right? Okay. Including private companies. So, and now this, this center, the social media censorship, we'll call it censorship because that's what it is. Social media censorship has arisen as an issue. And some of the people on the right are now taking the position, the government should force Facebook to not 
censor or Twitter to not censor and blah, 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 blah. And so the left rightly looks at them and says, you just made this argument about cakes. You're flipping sides, right? right. That's, a valid, that's a valid point. When, when conservatives say the government should step in and regulate or force these companies to let info wars on, right? The flip side is the leftists are now also arguing that the government should leave them alone. They're private companies. They shouldn't be forced to do anything. So both of them flipped. Both of them totally changed their positions. And the truth is actually that neither one of them is correct. It is censorship. Facebook does have a right to censor. Twitter does have a right to censor. Exactly. However, however, there is another problem, which is Facebook and Twitter, I believe, well, there's two problems. One is they may have a right to censor, but we have a right to say we don't like the censorship, which is all we're doing. We're right. Not, let not let me interject for a second. It doesn't make it morally right. Right. So That's can, the thing. You just because something's legal, like it should be legal to censor on for a private company to censor. It should be legal for the cake baker to say, "I'm not going to bake the gay wedding cake." But it doesn't mean that that's morally right. You're the person who pointed out to me that a lot of times, uh, statists, the type of leftists who uh, there's a certain type of leftist who who absent maybe absent any. Um, any personal moral belief system, they believe that everything immoral should be illegal. Well, there's, there's statists are on the right as well. It's, it's people who just like, they answer to everything, like state is their, their God, basically. Um, yeah, so, so you can make an argument that Facebook is censoring and they shouldn't censor. And we can complain about that and argue about that and say they're scum for censoring. But that's not the same as saying the government should step in. Just like I would support the LBGT community's protest of the baker because I would bake a cake for a lesbian or a gay wedding. I'm on their side on that issue. I'm not on their side when it comes to forcing him to do it. So I would say, yeah, he has a right to refuse. And I will agree that you should put social pressure on him to do it because it's, it's wrong, right? And, and I, I would like acceptance of gay and lesbian rights right. and wedding and whatever so that's and that's just like fine. we should put social pressure on these social media companies to stop right. censoring right the other but the other caveat i'll say with social media is it's beyond there is another issue beyond just us criticizing them morally and that is i think they have done something potentially illegal and definitely immoral. So it's actually not immoral. I don't think it's immoral for Facebook or Twitter to censor. I do. It's immoral. I, I, do. I think what's immoral about it is lying. And these platforms would not exist. What they did was they bait and switched. These platforms, Twitter would not be built today. It would, sorry, if Twitter started today, if there was no Twitter and, he, and Jack started Twitter today, it would not grow to the size it is with the policies that they now have in place. Like it would not, if they were saying, we're just kicking off anyone we disagree with. You can't say men are women, aren't women. You can't, you can't, uh, Facebook, you know, you can't post links from Infowars, right? People would not have joined these platforms. Right. And these platforms have advertised themselves as bastions of- Free speech. Free speech. And you only get taken down for things like child porn and actual death threats and stuff that's illegal. Fine. 
that's how they presented themselves to the population and to other, their, I won't say their customers, but their users. And that is misrepresentation. That is fraud because they've now flip-flopped and said, oh, now that you've spent all this time, now that we've built up this network, now we're going to censor it. And mm -hmm. that's where I think we have a moral and potentially legal argument against them, but not, you can't just argue that, uh, you can't just argue that they should be regulated because Facebook ought to be a free speech platform. That's not true. You could start any platform you want. It doesn't have to be a free speech platform. It can be a, hey, this is a platform for social justice ideology people to have a network. That's fine. You can do that and you can censor the hell out of Paul Joseph Watson all you want. But you, you should be saying that up front. Yeah, and that's not what they say. Yeah, they're lying. Right. And so that's why I think it's fraud, right? It's like buying an iPhone and they send you the box. It's like, there's no iPhone in the box. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But thanks for your money. We changed our policy. We're now we're just shipping boxes, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what's happening here. And the left is dishonest when they, when they because I've seen this a lot on the left, they're dishonest when they, they criticize anyone who's criticizing Facebook. They assume that what we're doing is, is saying, you need regulations and they need to be regulated and forced to not censor. That's not what everyone is saying. That's a straw man talking about, uh, <laughs> talking about logical fallacies. That's a straw man argument. That's not the argument. They, they put up an argument that's easy to tear down and they tear it down and they wipe their hands and be like, there we go, done. We've, we've owned the conservatives. And that's just not, that's just not the case. By the way, here's, a, here's an interview with Jack where he's such a friggin' liar. He's asked about free speech and he oh, says- uh, Put it up. Or is it? Is no, it I'm just going to read it. He says, um, but it also comes with, oh, wait, wait. Uh, our purpose today, we believe our superpower is around conversation. And we believe our purpose is to serve the per public conversation. And that does take a stance around freedom of expression and defending freedom of expression as a fundamental human right, not just one within this country. But it also comes with the realization that freedom of expression may adversely impact other fundamental human rights, such as privacy and physical security. So we believe that we can only serve the public conversation. We can only stand for freedom of expression if people feel safe to express themselves in the first place. We can only do that if they feel that they are not being silenced. <laughs> like, yeah. so silence them? Yeah. So what he's, he's actually conflating a few things there, right? He's saying um, free speech, freedom of expression, I guess is the term he's using, right? We believe in freedom of expression. And so, but to foster freedom of expression, we need people to feel a certain way. That's not the same. You don't need people to, freedom of expression is not a guarantee that people feel good about what you're saying. And it's not a guarantee that you feel like, okay to express yourself. Right? right? So what, what he's doing is, I would say that's probably equivocation. <laughs> that, that's equivocation. Dear professor. <laughs> and, you know, the only, you know, when we talk about speech that's limited, people like to like use extreme examples of like uh, actual death threats. And I think the line's actually pretty clear. If you are initiating the use of force. Now, initiation of the use of force can be verbal 
if it's a credible, specific, real threat. So if I come up to Carrie in a dark alley at night and I've got a gun on my hip and I say, give me your purse or I'll shoot you. This has actually happened to me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, he said, he said, I'm going to F you up is what he said. Okay, there you go. Right? Well, that's a credible threat because I've introduced violence into the conversation, not by saying, I think all carries are idiots and, and should be, you know, whatever. I'm, I, it's because I specifically have, uh, I have means, I have opportunity, I've got the, I've, I'm right there, I'm with the gun. It's very clear that what I mean is I will shoot you right now and I'm, I'm bringing force into that relationship. That's very different than saying something uh, on a social media network, even if that thing is horrible. Even if you just say something horrible like Louis Farrakhan does and say like, you know, Jews are whatever he calls them, rodents or whatever, right? call them termites or something, yeah. Yeah, termites, that's right. Like, yeah, is that a horrible, hateful thing? Yes, it is. Is it a specific threat introducing violence into a relationship there? No, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Now you can say, well, what do you do with termites? You eradicate them and that's what he means and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, true. He's using that as a metaphor and it's horrible and it's despicable. But if you start shutting down people for every kind of metaphor, you shut down everyone for everything. Um, yeah. Because everything can be a metaphor for something. In fact, I would just argue if you do that, only anarchists should be allowed on platforms. Because anyone arguing anything the state does means they want someone to point a gun at someone else to make them do it. So you're all initiation, it's all initiation of force against everyone. Like, yeah. I could easily take that argument all the way there and say only people who are anarchists can speak. But that's yeah. not what I want, right? And that's, and, that's, and that's a fallacy because that would be me equivocating a very real physical threat with language that implies or could result in or is a metaphor for actual harm that could be done in the future or would require a system that would be harmful. So, you know, it's, Jack is equivocating there and... And I think this bait and switch is the sin that has been committed by these social media companies more than having an ideology that I don't like. It's, it's the bait and switch. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I don't like their ideology either, but it is the bait. Sure, and no, switch. I don't like their ideology, but um, uh, I think, I think I'm done giving it to this guy. Oh, wait, wait, one other thing. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Wait, one other thing. He, uh, uh, I'm done talking about the fallacies and how he doesn't seem to be familiar with them. Um, but I will say this, because he, he continues on and he says, uh, no, because, you know, I told him, look, I, dude, I voted for Bernie and then I supported Stein. Um, lifelong Democratic voter. And I didn't, I don't think I mentioned Gabbard, but I think he went to my profile and saw that I liked Tulsi Gabbard. So anyway, then he says, no true <laughs> no true scotsman yeah no true scotsman no true bernie gabbard supporter would post a meme making fun of socialism by turning point media and i'm like but i did <laughs> like like my existence contradicts what you're saying what you're saying is not true i am the proof <laughs> <laughs> and but my, ultimately, what I said to this guy, and I've, I, it's not the first time that somebody uh, is just in. They have it's some kind of psychological need to call me a liar because they can't 
live. Maybe they can't live with the idea that people like me exist. It's like really weird. But I've said to them what I've said to other people, which is like, I am happy to befriend you on Facebook and um, to introduce you to other people. I know. I, am I really the first Bernie voter who, who you've ever met who walked away? Because I know Bernie voters. I know Bernie and Obama voters who walked away before the 2016 election who voted for Trump. Like you don't, you have really haven't heard of any of those people. You haven't met any of those people. I can introduce you to those people. I can introduce you to people who are going to blow your mind, dude. If, if you, if you think I don't exist, like, like you have no idea, like maybe you should broaden your circles just a little bit, you know, that's an indicator that you might need to broaden your circles. If you're like, you know, this person can't like, he thinks I'm a unicorn. I'm not, there's a, I'm not unique. There's a, there's a ton of people join the walk away group. Like join it, read people's stories, watch yeah. their videos. Well, there's this, uh, you're right. I think it's some kind of psychological thing, but they, they need to, um, I mean, think about how paranoid and, and maybe it's projecting, but thinking about how weirdly paranoid it is. He's basically accusing you of like some mastermind 4D chess thing where like, yes, I, I pretended to like Bernie for years and then I know, <laughs> but really I'm no true Bernie supporter. Right? <laughs> What the hell? Like, what does he think you're doing? I have um, no idea. Like, do you think that I, I'm a long time, con- like I'm a Republican who's like, plan. <laughs> my plan is to, uh, my plan is to pretend to be a liberal. No, I'll, also, also I'm lucky in that I have uh, the type of career and background that provides me with evidence as if I need evidence of who I am. But it's like, yeah, like I, I have, executive producer i produced i produced a late night comedy show called totally biased that was like i I felt like this was my baby in terms of getting my ideology out there it was an sjw comedy show i was so proud of it we're changing the world we're fighting sexism and racism and homophobia with laughter ha 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 you know like i can point to stuff like that i haven't have an inter have interviews from when i was still sjw Really, you're just a Russian sleeper cell <laughs> activated. That's right. I'm, I was such a deniac. You know, it'd be a funny episode sometime is to go through some of my old, I think I showed, showed you, but I've never shown it on a podcast or anything, but um, I was going through some old stuff of mine and I found my, um, like my old Dean, I had a, I bought like the, the bright yellow Howard Dean book bag. And um, I forgot that you were a Dean crazy Oh my God. I was a deniac. I wrote on, I wrote letters. He's, he's out of my whole life. He's the candidate I was most excited about. I got cloud stationary, like stationary with clouds on it. Really pretty. And I wrote handwritten letters to undecided voters in my home state of South Carolina about why I love Dean and why they should consider voting for him. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like really on board. Yeah. I got to meet him too. I almost cried picture of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe you should go back to therapy. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, no one should ever feel that way about any politician. That's what? Love them so much to send people letters. <laughs> thank you for them. That is uh uncloud stationary. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's what happens when you indoctrinate uh, children in public schools. They, they worship the leaders. <laughs> yeah. I had like stickers on there, like hearts. Well, this person's serious. Let me consider her candidate. 
<laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you probably got people to not vote for him. <laughs> See, it was He's all a part of my idiot. my Machiavellian plan. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Howard Dean until I found out this person likes him. Until this, until this sixth grader said, <laughs> no, <kidding. laughs> So, Carrie, um, uh, I think we should do one last thing. Yeah. What? Ready? Here we go. Pusillanimous. Yeah. Oh, yes. Pusillanimous. This is the new word. It's the word that I didn't know. So, I, I knew this word because I used to teach SAT prep. And uh, I, had a, I used to have a pretty good vocabulary. But I had forgotten this word, and I haven't used it in forever. My friend Blake reminded me um, that this is a word that is, it means cowardly. It's a great word for coward. Pusillanimous. Pusillanimous. So what are you, what are you gonna, you're going to make Pusillanimous. pussy a thing? Yeah, I think we should call people pussies. <laughs> pussies. <laughs> I don't know why. It's really funny. Pussies. <laughs> yeah. I know how they, uh, we talked about using the word cuck the other day. I think the word PC is better. Uh, <laughs> cuck is, is good, but something about being able to call people PCs, uh, I think would be better. Anyway, yeah, that was just, I, I, uh, maybe I learned that word right before the SATs and forgot it right after. I don't remember, but uh, there's the word of the day. Uh, you want to do a sign off, Carrie? You yeah, wanna- we, we should do a word of the day. That's a good idea. Um, Thank you guys for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe at Unsafe Space and share this with your friends. And um, we will be back on Monday. Take care.